Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Saul Simon. He's a certified financial planner. He has his own financial firm called Simon Financial Group, and he's the author of a new book called Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education for You and Your Family. Welcome to the show, Saul. Hi, how are you, and thank you for having me. Just, just a little, tell, start with a little bit of your background and, and how you got to write this book. I've been in the uh, financial planning, insurance investment business for 30 years, a little over 30 years, oh my, and um, I'm an educator first. I also do a local television show called Simon Says Manage Your Money, and when working with people, I get to see, listen, hear, and experience some of their problems, some of their successes, and some uh, mishaps with regards to communication or lack thereof, and or uh, problems with children, family, that bothered me and bothered clients of mine to cause me to want to really use this opportunity to to put together a book that could be used as a tool, a, a tool to be able to learn some basic information about paying yourself first, some information about retirement planning, savings, you know, college savings and, and estate planning, and an opportunity to be able to have conversation, real conversation, with, uh, with children, grandchildren, having conversations from a child's perspective to a parent, from an elder law planning perspective, and, um, and I'm proud of it. We're going to get into a lot of the detail. Happy. We're going to get a lot of detail of all the different strategies here. But let's start with the overall problem. What, what is it that is happening in many cases with families, intergenerational discussions that are not happening, and what, what's the downside of that? Well, I guess the downside of, uh, of not communicating with your loved ones could cause family conflict, legal fees, um, siblings not talking to one another, uh, m- me not being able to see my niece and my nephew, and cousins not having a relationship together. So, so that's pretty sad, and that's a great downfall. And You're I was saying that think, happened a lot? I do see that a lot, yeah. So I'll give you an example. To have a conversation with children at a conference table and have them share their values with regards to not only how I made my money, what does money mean to me, and what I would like you to do with the money upon, quote, sickness, you know, before sickness and death, what happens to me, you know, when I'm no longer here. But to be able to put a plan in place before sickness or death so that all the children are on the same page. You know, very often you've got three kids and maybe, you know, maybe the middle child is liked or more friendly with everybody else, and we're going to make the middle child be responsible to act as an executor or executrix, to act as a power of attorney. Or maybe the middle child lives closer and locally to the parents. And when this is communicated publicly to the children, you could actually see the kids almost as if they were 15 years old again, 
wanting to know, well, how come I'm not in charge? You know, I'm the oldest. I should be in charge. And, and what ends up happening is I didn't even talk about the money aspect yet. All we did was talk about who's going to help administer the estate or who's going to help mom and dad should they need this type of a sickness. And you got egos flaring. And so if mom and dad aren't able to communicate this subject up front so everybody's on the same page, it makes for disharmony and upset. So it's not only the intergenerational, there's also an educational component of this. What is your sense of the level of education of uh, kids and grandkids when it comes to dealing with all these matters of taxes and wills and trusts and all the things we're going to be talking about here? No one's teaching no one's really teaching children, young adults, or even, you know, 40 and 50-year-olds about financial planning. Um, you know, it's like I put a chapter in the book about, you know, saving an allowance or pay yourself first and teaching children about values. Nobody's teaching children today about how to save money and how to be consciously responsible for money. You know, we're all parents. We strive to make things a little easier for our children, which ultimately could come across as spoiling them or maybe having them be entitled to something. And we need to share and educate and have these young people understand that money doesn't grow on trees. Money is something I worked hard for. This is what money means to me. It's a means to an end. It's not to, you know, I don't feel good, so go shop and go spend money. I don't feel good. Uh, or someone doesn't feel good, okay, go buy them something to, you know, shut them up or make them feel better. Uh, very often people use money uh, not appropriately or not, not in the right manner. In your first chapter, you talk about uh, exactly this, talking to your kids. And you have six uh, specific strategies to teach your kids about money. Why don't you briefly go over what those six are? Well, um, what six are you talking about? Why don't you... Well, this is where you start off by saying set a good example is your first one. I don't have my book in front of me. I'm sorry. Ah, all right, well, setting a good example is your first uh, one where you say uh, it's not only what you say, but it's what you do that makes a difference. Yeah, you know, I, I now have a book in front of me. Um, you know, actions speak louder than words. Uh, you know, what if when we made a purchase, we actually had a conversation or realized that maybe I can't just slap it on a credit card. Maybe we should actually take some time to look at our budget and share these types of thoughts with our children when we make these types of purchases so they understand you know, to ask questions or to go out and look to see if we can price compare or go online and see if we can save money. That's, that's setting a good example, and it's teaching the children that we didn't just run out to a store and slap it on a credit card. Um, and then you, you talk about allowances, the second one. Yeah, what giving is the children an allowance, you know, I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, but what I am saying is, this is, a, this is a family home. This is a, a project that we're all working on to live under this roof. And I go out to work or mommy goes out to work, and <clears throat> I'd like you to help um, 
put your, your clothes away, your shoes away, your laundry in the laundry basket, and not think that, you know, I'm having to take care of you and, and look out for you. So I'm feeding you and I'm putting clothes on your back. I want you to have some understanding and appreciation for what we bring to the table. Do you think a lot of kids feeling too entitled today and, and they, they don't take care of themselves as a result of that? Um, yes, it's my opinion that because parents try to make things a little easier for our kids, easier than maybe what we had, sometimes it could come across as if we're spoiling them. And you spoil someone once, twice, three times, and what ends up now coming across as, oh, I'm entitled to this. This is coming to me. And there's no appreciation for how hard it is to have money grow and, 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 and you know, to, to work and to make a living for our money. Indeed, that is a problem. Okay, we're yeah. going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Saul Simon. He has a new book called Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education to You and Your Family. And we'll be back after this. Always talking business? Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Saul Simon. He's a certified financial planner, author of a new book called Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education for You and Your Family. Welcome back to the show, Saul. Thank you, sir. So we were talking about things you do to teach your kids about money. The next thing you say is to start young. How early should you actually start talking to kids about money? Well, you know, we just had the holidays come and go. And when we buy our children gifts uh, for Hanukkah, for for Christmas, they're opening up 10, 12 gifts. They're destroying three immediately. They're discarding three rather quickly. 
and then they have a few others that they may play with and or maybe get bored of. What if the child opened up all the gifts, as I had shared and taught my own children, after we open up the presents, why don't we pick one gift that we could actually give to charity and give to some other children that are as, not as fortunate as we are? So here you have a child dealing with, hey, this is mine, and I want to give it to someone who's maybe not as fortunate. That's an awesome type of uh, lesson that could be taught to a young person. And I think if you can start as young as possible, the better off not only are we, but also is the child in understanding values. So you say not only to start young, but you should start older as well. This is about talking to them in college or pre-college. What, what kind of things should be communicated to them at that age? Well, I mean, you're talking about college. My daughter's about to go to school next year. It's my belief, it's my values that my daughter, Danielle, should pay for some percentage of her schooling. Uh, a, I don't want her to take it for granted. B, if she gets to choose to go out on a Wednesday or Thursday night and party up a storm versus doing homework, she's got something at stake. And there's an added responsibility to her, number one. Number two, as these children either work for money, come into money, there's savings that we can put money aside for, you know, like a car. Or who's going to cover gas or cover insurance. And money is just not growing on trees for these children to want these things in the future, yet we never had a conversation about planning to be able to save and have this money available for, for them when they are, say, about to drive. Do you have a sense that a lot of kids going off to college are ready for it financially? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't think anybody's really teaching children uh, enough about money and the skill of handling money, number one. Number two, you know, one of the things I've been doing, which is very important for your listeners, is credit cards. Senior year in high school, freshman year in college, these students are going to be receiving a, a many, many, many invitations to take out a credit card. And they don't realize the negative consequence that this type of an account can have, not only on them and their financial future, but also on their parents and the conversation of, Hey, mom, dad, I got in trouble and I just popped 5,000 bucks on this card and I don't have the money to pay it off. Well, and the new rules no now are that they, of, they, they cannot take out a card on their own under age 21. They have to have it co-signed, right? So yep. the parent is going to be liable for that. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes people do things that other people don't know about. And I've just seen problems. Mm -hmm. All right, one of your, your principles is to pay yourself first. So explains how that, explain how that works to a young person. And you said to put it in savings, but you earn nothing on savings today. Where should you put it if you want to put some money aside and make it grow today? Well, you know, paying yourself first is a discipline. So for those of your listeners that are working to be able to put money through their work into a 401k plan, into some sort of IRA accounts that can grow 
on a deferred basis and or get some sort of government help by giving them a tax deduction is very helpful. Um, setting aside X number of dollars on a weekly basis for, quote, you, which is pay yourself first because everybody else tends to get paid, the gas company, the car company, everybody gets paid except for us. So to put us in the top of the list is the most important thing ever. And then where would you put it? Well, you know, which I guess where do you put it? The first thing you got to do is make sure that we establish an emergency fund, um, an account that's liquid and available, that in the event of us coming into some need for money, it's comforting to know. I certainly sleep at night knowing there's three or six months of money available so that, you know, I'm not totally panicked that if I have an expense that comes up that I'm not prepared for, if I lose my job, if my spouse loses a job, if the car goes, I am prepared and I'm in somewhat of a control position to have liquidity. I agree with you. Banks are paying no interest right now. But for that rainy day emergency fund, uh, it's comforting to know that this money is uh, safe and it's liquid and it's available. So that's on the savings side. Then on the spending side, you say for one month, people should only use one credit card or debit card. Why should they not distribute it amongst many different cards to build a better credit record? Yeah, I want it. I, the, the, the purpose of that message is really just from an <laughs> accountability perspective and to have someone determine how much money are they going through on a weekly and monthly basis. And they don't have to use a credit card. They should, you know, maybe take a little piece of a, a notepad and write down where their money's going and how much money is leaving their pocket on a daily, weekly basis. Because we have money coming in, but we don't realize where it's going. And it's a conscious eye-opener to realize, I brought this money in, this is the money went out, and gee, maybe I don't have to have money be spent <coughs> in the manner that I just spent it. You say something else people should use is a customer card or VIP card that gives them discounts. What would be some examples of that, and, and how should they use that strategy? Well, you know, like I personally shop at a store called Costco, um, similar wholesale type of stores. Um, you really got to be conscientious as to what am I buying and do I need such a supply? Um, when you go to a local supermarket, they sometimes have like a, 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 a key ring that I put on my car keys that helps me save some dollars. And I just want to be conscientious. I mean, you know, I grew up in a household where my mother and my aunt would open up the newspaper and look at coupons and being able to save 50 cents, a dollar, three dollars on certain staples like laundry detergent or, or, or your necessities. So there's really great ways of saving money. And sometimes we just got to take the time to do that. And you said a shop at discount stores. You talked about Costco. When does it make sense to buy in bulk, and when does it not make sense? Well, that's a personal question. I mean, um, I'm, a, I'm a divorced father of two. Coincidentally, a buddy of mine around the block is also divorced, and although he's now engaged uh, to another woman who I actually introduced him to, um, when we shop at Costco, we'll split certain things because 
I don't need, you know, to buy food in such bulk. And you also want to be aware that if you are buying in bulk, do you have a place to store it? Do you have the need for it? And is it really less expensive? So you're saying some people go overboard and buy more than they need in, in buying bulk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In the uh, you then have a section on investing, and you talk about uh, compound interest that people don't really understand the the power of compound interest. Maybe explain that a little bit and, and explain how important it is to have your money compounding. Well, if I'm setting aside money for retirement or my son or daughter's college, there's vehicles called an IRA, a 401k plan, or a college 529 plan that allows deposits to go into this account and grow on a tax-deferred or tax-free basis so that any earnings I earn this year, I do not have to pay taxes on. And then I'm earning interest next year on all the money that I didn't pay taxes on. And if I'm able to do this over a number of years, I'm able to compound the money and earning money on a deferred basis or a tax-free basis on top of money and interest and not pay tax on this is a magical way of accumulating wealth using the, the compound uh, technique feature. And specifically with college plans, you think five turn on college savings plans are a good idea. How can you pick which is the people, best one for you? Yeah, for most people, I feel the 529 college savings plan is a very um, advantageous product or tool. Again, you're going to hear me use the word tool often. That can help uh, parent or grandparent uh, save money for the benefit of that student being able to go to college. How do they pick which one? There, each state has its own, and it's not necessarily the best one offered by your state, how do they pick the best one for their situation? Yeah, you gotta do, um, you got to do some analysis on that. Um, if your listeners want to contact me, we put together a spreadsheet that we can you know, shoot out to someone. Um, it does mean that they should look at their state plan, depending on the state of residency that they live in. And... Um, and as I also speak in the book, it's your money. You need to be responsible for it. What would be one or two of your favorite 529 plans? Which state offers ones that you like particularly? Well, you've got to remember, I'm in the New York region. So um, when I meet with clients, um, I really have to ask the specific questions. For example, uh, in New York, if you put $10,000 into the New York state plan, Residents of New York get a $10,000 state tax deduction. So me speaking to someone from Jersey or Pennsylvania about the New York plan isn't applicable or appropriate. And the reason why I'm having them put 10000 if they can afford 10000 into that particular one account is specifically for the $10,000 state tax deduction. Yeah. So you really want to talk to your advisors or... You know, ring out to me and really have someone get a sense as to 
What is your situation? What are you trying to do? What's your income? Where do you live? So that someone can tailor and design the appropriate plan that meets your needs. If people want to find out more about Saul and his book, his website is saulsimon.com, S-A-U-L-S-I-M-O-N.com. We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest is Saul Simon, whose new book is called Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education for You and Your Family. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Saul Simon. He has a new book out called Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education for You and Your Family. Welcome back to the show, Saul. (coughs) Thank you. So we were saying uh, on the savings side that one thing you should do is to open a small deposit mutual fund account. By that, what do you mean, what size deposit, and what would be some funds that would take small deposits? You know, opening up, if you're new to investing, by going to uh, <clears throat> a Vanguard, by going to a company that you're comfortable with, some of these companies allow you to put $25 into these accounts. Uh, maybe you could set up some sort of an automatic on a monthly basis, <clears throat> deposit $25 into this account, so that you're able to you know, start paying yourself first, start taking some money out of my you know, working checking account and earmarking it into something a little bit more growth oriented that could be saved for 
some future goal. You know, years ago, I remember they used to have like Christmas club accounts or vacation club accounts. Basically, isn't that what we're trying to do for some long-range important goals that are important to each of us? And I'm trying to have people set aside money so that they can accomplish what they're up to in life. Yeah, I think some of these funds, Vanguard, will start with 3000 I mean, that would maybe do 25 or 50 after that, but they don't typically start at that. So you may have to give them a start to get, get into these things, because I don't think they're going to yeah, start I mean, at such small levels. Yeah, and you know, very often people have a couple hundred bucks. I know there's other companies that would open an account for 100 bucks, 250 bucks, and now they're on their, on their way. Yeah. Your next chapter is about 401k plans. Is your sense that a lot of people are offered 401ks and don't really take full advantage of it? I do. I do find this out, and it bothers me greatly because, you know, everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to get a raise, yet I don't think people realize that by not participating in the 401k plan, they're not taking free money off the table that the company is offering, meaning they're willing to often match a percentage of the money you're putting in, say, 50 cents on the dollar. So, you know, if you put away uh, 6% of your salary, maybe the company would match 3%, which, in my opinion, is a no-brainer, and it's free money. Why wouldn't you want that? A lot of people still are. I think about 70% of the people offered matches take them up on it, meaning 30% do not. They feel they can't afford it in their own current cash flow is the reason they don't do it. They shouldn't, but a lot of people do that. Right, right. Well, there must be some way that we'd be able to start to put money aside and save and take advantage of the free money that's being offered to these employees. And then when you open a 401k, in general, how should people allocate it? And a lot of people put it in the very conservative guaranteed investment options and the very safe options, but they should probably take more risk. What is your view on that? Um, I agree with you, and it just comes down to education. Um, to say this in a quick manner, uh, having money in a money market account in your 401k plan is a lazy investment-oriented account for that money. You've got to remember, these 401k accounts, you're not going to touch till retirement, and that could be age 65, if not later. So if I'm able to put money in earmark it for growth, and keep in mind risk is important and growth means the money's going to fluctuate, but what you want to also remember is if I'm paid every two weeks, I'll be dollar cost averaging money into the investment account. So if I'm putting $100 a month into this investment and this investment's fluctuating, Maybe one month I'm buying it at $10, one month I'm buying it at $8, one month I'm buying it at $7, one month I'm buying it at $12. And long term, it's a real conservative methodology of buying in to an investment dollar cost averaging. Conservative method and a, a smart way of doing so. You say that uh, people should really avoid taking out loans from 401ks. There are hundreds of billions of dollars of loans against 401k. What's wrong with doing that? Well, you know, credit card debt is taboo with me because of the enormous interest rates. Um, 401k plans have interest loan features, and people sometimes 
don't understand the ramification of having a loan with a 401k plan, number one. Number two, we don't have that much job security anymore, unfortunately. And if I have a loan of $10,000 on my 401k plan and I am let go or fired, I'm required to pay that loan back immediately. Otherwise, I'm going to have to pay income on the $10,000 plus a 10% penalty. And because it's a loan, I took the money already. So I'm now paying tax on something that I really don't even have with me now. Yeah, but it's a, I think there's a 60-day period that you have to pay that loan back. It's yeah. not immediately, but still, it's pretty quick. Still, yeah, people don't have that extra $10,000 floating around to take it from pocket A to pay pocket B and not have to incur a 30% income tax or, or higher, some, some taxable event. Indeed, indeed. A lot of people are surprised. And then it's either voluntarily or involuntarily that they leave that company. Yeah, very yeah. good. Okay, so the next thing you say is kind of planning ahead. Are you a saver or a spender is the idea? Yeah. How should you figure that out? Uh, I'm clearly a saver. My ex-wife was a spender. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're with right. people, yeah. you want to just yeah. be able to have an understanding as to yeah. how do they operate when it comes to money. Are they able to yeah. actually have yeah. some money in savings? Yeah, so how do you know the difference between a sender and saver? How, how can you figure that out? Uh, by asking questions and having an understanding as to someone's buying and or uh, spending habits. Is it gener uh, genetic or is it learned behavior? Uh, I would think it's a learned behavior. And so is it better to, to teach your, your kids to be a saver or a spender? What do you think? Well, you want to keep the economy going. <laughs> if everybody were saving, the economy wouldn't be in great shape. You need a little bit of each. I think, I think it's important for us to be conscientious of our money and use money for the right reasons. And what okay, I mean that by that is very often we think money's going to make us happy. You know, you're going to have a bigger this or a better that or a newer this or a newer that. I don't know if we need to use a brand name or have the latest, greatest features when from a fundamental or functional perspective, we could take care of our own well-being and also set aside money for our kids' college, for retirement, for other important things in life. Yeah. Okay, you also have a section on uh, knowing the rule of 72. Why don't you describe what the rule of 72 is and how should people use it once they understand what it is? Well, the rule of 72 is your money's going to double using the rule of 72. So if you're able to earn 7% interest, you take the interest rate, you divide it into 72, which comes up to approximately 10 years, which means that if I'm going to have money grow at 7%, my money's going to double in 10 years. And if I'm able to earn 10% on my money and I take 10 divided by 72, my money's going to double in approximately seven years. When you put together your own financial plan, 
One of the techniques I do and use is most importantly determining when am I going to need this money? What is my time frame? Is this money earmarked for my son or daughter's college, which could be 5, 10, 15 years away? Is this for my own personal retirement? I'm 52 years old. I don't see me retiring at the age of 60 or 65. I love my business. I love what I do. I love educating people. So I'm giving myself this time frame, this comfort of knowing that money can kind of fluctuate or bounce around, knowing that long term my money is going to earn and be as um, accumulate as much as I'm looking to have it accumulate based on the risk I'm looking to take. Um, so I think a part of a financial plan is important to determine your time frame of money. Now you have a section here on what you call increasing your financial IQ and uh, using a financial planner. What are some things people should know about picking a professional to help them uh, implement a lot of things you're talking about? You know, I think rule one is always talking to friends, family about <coughs> who do they use? Are they happy with the service that they get? and getting a referral. Increasing financial IQ, it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. I want people to be able to be responsible, (coughs) excuse me, and and learn and be able to be versed in being able to ask certain questions. If you notice, I wrote this book in a pretty simplistic manner. (coughs) I think it was important for human beings to be able to read something and have them actually have some sense of confidence and some sense of like, oh, I do that. Because most people have an interpretation when it comes to money that they're, they don't understand it. They're not into it. They don't have enough. They don't need it, which, quite frankly, is silly. You talk about the process of financial planning being a, 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 a process itself. What are some of the steps in the process of doing financial planning correctly? Well, I guess the first thing is to um, understand how much money you have coming in, how much on uh, a monthly basis, understand how much money is going out. And that could be, you know, a, a word for a budget, putting together some sort of a budget and having an understanding as to this is the money coming in, this is the money going out. Um, so you have a t- sense as to what do you have to work with or should you get another job or does my spouse need to go to work? Or do I need to lower my expenses? Step one. Step two, what assets do I own? What debt do I have? You know, having credit card t- today makes me crazy because the bank is not only paying me maybe 10 basis points, like nothing, and yet credit card institutions are going out and charging people 15, 18, 20%. It's like robbery. I get crazy over that. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. I agree with you completely. Uh, My guest this hour is uh, Saul Simon. His book is called Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education for You and Your Family. His website is saulsimon.com, S-A-U-L-S-I-M-O-N.com. And we'll be back after this.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio, every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Saul Simon. He's a certified financial planner, president of the Simon Financial Group. His website is saulsimon.com, and he's come out with a new book called Simon Says, Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education for You and Your Family. Welcome back to the show, Saul. Thank you for having me. So you have this whole section on life insurance. So how does one figure out how much life insurance is appropriate? Well, you know, you've got to sit down and determine if I wasn't here, who is relying on me for money? So... I've got a couple kids. I want to send them to college. I have various fixed expenses that I want to cover for them, including uh, an ex-wife and alimony. Um, I may have to be uh, somewhat financially responsible for my parents in the future. I have three younger brothers, and one of them is doing well, and the other two aren't doing as well. That could cause a financial difficulty if that was a responsibility on their part for the benefit of my parents. So you want to put down your expenses. You want to put down your assets, your debts, and you want to determine and see what the shortfall is to determine how much life insurance I need to purchase to cover and protect my family. Is it, uh, what would be the mix between cash value and term insurance that you'd normally recommend? Well, it's always based on cash flow. I mean, you know, if I have to cover someone's needs to take care of someone's, you know, expenses upon their demise and they don't have cash flow to buy permanent cash value insurance, then you load up on term insurance, which is the least expensive method of buying insurance today for the short term. 
term insurance is not something that people truly will die with because statistically the insurance companies are pricing the product so that when the client needs it the most at the age of 75 or later, it's no longer there or they cannot afford it because the numbers become astronomical. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about some other areas. Uh, long-term care insurance. Uh, now, that, the price of that's been going up a lot recently. The premiums have been going up. Is it still a good deal to get long-term care insurance? It really is. Uh, the purpose of the long-term care insurance product, you've got to remember, is not like a disability income product uh, to protect your income. Long-term care insurance, you're actually trying to protect your net worth. So, you know, qualified plans are out there now so that if I buy a pool of money of $300,000 for long-term care protection, the system allows me to keep $300,000 of my money um, that I can ultimately pass on to my children and other family members. Unfortunately, the statistics are not good uh, with regards to us not needing the coverage, meaning, you know, it's a very high percentage that one of us are going to need protection and assistance in my house uh, and it's going to cost me money. And I want to have the same dignity and respect to protect and cover myself as I was able to function when I was a younger person and independent. You have a, the whole last part of your book is about trusts and wills, that kind of thing. Since we have a short amount of time, what are the basic things people know to know about uh, when they should be setting up trusts? Um, you know, just for the record, trusts are not as complicated as people have an interpretation that they are, number one. Number two, I bet many of your listeners have trusts now and they don't realize it. A trust could be their IRA, a trust could be the College 529 or a Roth or 401k plan. These trusts have rules. You can't take money before 59 and a half, otherwise there's a 10% penalty plus taxable income. You have to take money out at 70, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what a trust does is it protects the assets. So, for example, I own life insurance. I pass away. Life insurance cash is going to go into this trust upon my death for the benefit of my two kids, if, God forbid, my daughter's driving someday and it's rainy and she hits a school bus, she's going to be sued. Any monies that are in trust for my daughter are not available, are not uh, accessible, <clears throat> and we're living in a very litigious society, number one. Number two... Someday my daughter, just because she's older than my son, I'm using her as a reference. Thanks, Danielle. Um, someday she's going to get married. And I may like this new son-in-law, and five years from later, he may not like, quote, my daughter or me. If I'm able to leave money in trust, and it's in trust for my daughter, that money is not available to this person, her ex, soon-to-be ex-husband who doesn't you know, want to keep the relationship happy and prospering. So my daughter can buy a house. My daughter can start a business. My daughter can do a lot of these great financial things, having money held in trust for her. And it is a great firewall, so to speak, 
in protecting the cash from not having it be accessible to creditors and predators. Very good. Well, thanks so much. We've just covered a small amount of things in your book. Uh, my guest during this hour of the Money Answer Show has been Saul Simon. He's a certified financial planner. His company is called Simon Financial Group, uh, based in Edison, New Jersey. His new book is called Simon Says, Love Your Legacy, A Guide to Financial Education for You and Your Family. And again, you can find out more at his website, SaulSimon.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Saul. Thank you for having me, Jordan. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.